on the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Catholic. This is Marianela Nunez, and with me today is my colleague, Mike. Which Mike is this? This is Mike Bress and Marianella. This is the first time in a little while that you and I have been together. Um, I have been talking with Jen Morrow quite a bit on the recent podcast, um, but you are just so busy helping our schools that we cannot get you on the calendar. So I'm happy to see you and I'm happy to actually get you on the calendar to talk some uh, some schools today. I've missed this. So I'm so uh, happy to be back and it's kind of like, it's going to be a wonderful um conversation today i'm so excited for our guests it's it's good to have you back i'm glad you're out and about though it is always great when you and i get to collaborate together so i think it's a good opportunity to bring on who we have this week on the podcast so marianella would you like to introduce our guests sure so um i i am so excited for these two guests that we have today because i know them both uh personally and like professionally and uh, so we wanted to do something to portray our uh, preschool programs in uh, South Jersey Catholic schools. And for that, we selected two very special places that have uh, very interesting setups and kind of like different from uh, some of our um, other schools. So I would like to introduce Mrs. Teresa Casañas, who is uh, the director of the dual language pre-K program at St. Anthony's. And uh, welcome to the show for the first time, Mrs. Casañas. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really excited about this. Thank you I'm so very, much. Very excited. I uh, My kids both uh, went to St. Anthony's and uh, Mrs. Casañas was their teacher. So I know her pretty well. And I'm uh, very glad to kind of like have the opportunity to have the conversation today. Um, so welcome again. And also, uh, we have with us another special place uh, for South Jersey Catholic schools and a very special guest. This is uh, Mrs. Love. Fern Love is uh, the director of the program at Rose Bowes Academy in Barrington, New Jersey. And uh, she's also like a feeder for uh, St. Rose of Lima School uh, in Highland Heights. So welcome. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's it's so good that you're here and we want our people and our listeners to know um, everything that they have to know about pre-K because you uh, both are really experts in the field. And uh, I think that before we get started, we also uh, like to start with uh, your story. What brought you to Catholic education and what brought you to, you know, the little, little ones in pre-K? So can you both kind of like share your story and we'll start with Fern. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, it was a very circuitous route. Um, I spent about 25 years working as a dance therapist. um, Yep. So in that capacity, I worked with some children on the spectrum and mostly uh, adolescent psych. And um, that was my job for most of my career. And um, I was going to take a break, a little sabbatical. I was kind of a little burned out. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to sub. And so I was going to walk to the Board of Education in my town in Collingswood 
and drop off my resume and just take a year and kind of gather myself together. And I was walking by St. John's in Collingswood and some of my friends were in the playground with their kids, the, the lunchtime mommies. And um, they said, oh, put your resume in here. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And um, my own faith journey was kind of a little bit like I was. I was a little bit lost, but um, I was seeking, seeking, seeking. So I bring my resume into St. John's and the next day they called me and they said, would you be interested in teaching our three-year-old program? Somebody just quit. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm really not a teacher. I'm a therapist. And they were like, oh, I think you could do it. And um, so I talked to my husband and he was like, why don't you try it? And so for two mornings a week, I basically did dance therapy with the three-year-olds at St. John's because that's all I really knew. And um, it was such a wonderful experience that I started saying to my husband, um, I think I want to go back to school. And so I did. And I went certified alternate route. And I guess right on the eve of my 50th birthday, I passed my praxis and uh, I got my license and I started teaching preschool at St. John's. And then they asked me if I'd be interested in moving to St. Luke's because they wanted to open a preschool there. And I kept saying, I'll do it, but I'm really not a teacher. I just started. So then I went to St. Luke's and I opened the preschool there and um, we danced a lot because that was what I knew. <laughs> and then I was at it. Fun. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun and, and a lot of fun for me. So much learning because as I was learning, then I was ready to put it right up on its feet the next day. And then um, I went to a diocesan meeting where it was really a faith building, faith sharing kind of um, in service. And I met Mr. Steve Hogan and he said, I would like to open a preschool at St. Rose. I hear you did it at St. Luke's. I was like, I will do. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about it, but I'm really not a teacher. I'm a therapist. And so um, he hired me to teach kindergarten at St. Rose. So now I'm teaching kindergarten. I'm like, I'm, I'm really not a teacher. And so I kept saying that, but the years are now going on and I guess I'm a teacher now. And so <laughs> what I started to notice was um, that the environment was building my own faith at the same time, sort of almost like unbeknownst to me. And uh, all of a sudden now I'm praying with the children, and but it's real time praying. It's not some kind of theoretical praying. It's not some kind of scripted praying. It's like real uh, praying authentically. And at the same time, I started attending uh, a living contemplative program at um, uh, Francis House of Prayer, which moved to Allentown, New Jersey. It's in the Diocese of Trenton. And I started doing centering prayer. And so all of this was happening at the same time. Like my own faith was building as I was watching children build from the ground up. It was really very profound for me personally. And uh, academically, I was noticing that kindergarten was a stressor and it was getting very um, driven academically. And I felt like we needed some kind of like stopgap between preschool and kindergarten. And I started talking about the idea of transitional kindergarten and uh, maybe five years down the road after I was at St. Rose teaching kindergarten for five years, they started this program at Rosebud Academy. And I came here um, to Barrington to teach transitional kindergarten. 
And um, that was really my baby because it's like a it's a gap year for. But once the pandemic hit, the gap became a little wider and the um, it's, it's a very niche kind of I think we're the only transitional kindergarten in the diocese, really. And it really is drawing people from all over because it's a very specific kind of needs that we're meeting. We're just it's really like a confidence building kind of program. And so unfortunately, our director um, became ill. And so I kind of just was holding down the fort until she came back. And they said, you know, are you the director? And I was like, I'm really not a director. I'm more like a teacher. And so, <laughs> and so I was still teaching and filling this chair until about two years ago when I started in this position and stopped teaching. And um, so like, the reason Catholic school, I didn't pick Catholic school. Catholic school picked me. And um, I feel like, um, you know, I, as I was kind of, if I think about my life like a dot to dot kind of picture, I can start looking back and seeing where all the dots were. And one of them was definitely walking by that playground that day with my resume in my hand. I had no idea what was coming next. And it really, that was also part of a faith building for me because it's the not knowing what's next that puts me in a place where I can rely more on God and really have him lead and me follow. Um, and so here I am in this position and never in a million years did I, <laughs> this was where I would be. And here I am. Such I'm always a fan story. of that. Yeah. That's an, that's an incredible, incredible <laughs> story. And I, I'm always a fan of, of uh, coming up with book titles for, for folks like for their autobiography. Uh -huh. And it, I think yours is absolutely I'm not X, but <laughs> because I feel like yeah. that is your entire story, you know, is I'm not a teacher, but, and, you know, <laughs> I, and I think that's just, I, I mean, it speaks to your passion, obviously. And, and I think you just put it perfectly about that knowingness to let go and just listen to God and, and what that story is, you know, and, and what a what a great way to get there but i i really do think you've you've run the gamut of of everything and you know yes thank god for for you uh going across that that playground that day because then it, it turned your journey into something incredible so what what an incredible story uh teresa how about how about you i i, I don't want you to think you have to outdo this so feel free to go exactly the way that your story goes but you know <laughs> Well, I'm from originally from, I was born in Chile um, and I came to the U.S. when I was four years old and I was um, talking. Um, so anyway, so I was raised in Philly and one of the things that I, I went to Catholic school and I went to St. Bonaventure um, Catholic school in Germantown Ave in Philadelphia. And one of the things was they, they did was they did put me in a classroom where, you know, there was none speaking Spanish kids. Well, it was a mix, a mixed culture, but uh, the majority of the Spanish kids didn't speak Spanish. So I was there like, oh, okay. So moving forward, not to where I'm at now. Uh, 20 years ago, I was, uh, I graduated from, well, not 20 years ago, but a long time ago, I graduated from Eastern University. And I, then I became, uh, uh, I became a director at a school for 20 years in a school in Philadelphia. And I, by that time, I had moved to uh, to Jersey. But before that, I was connected still with my community, with my church. But once my church closed down and everything went down, we kind of like we went to we moved to another parish. 
So over the years, um, I was teaching at another school and um, I remember telling my husband and it was like, you know, it's one of the things that you can feel God there with you. I remember telling him, you know, I really, really would like to work in a Catholic school, um, you know, and he goes, try it, go for it. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know any Catholic schools around here. Back in Philly, everything is by neighborhood. You know who the, you know, it's by the neighborhood. What's your neighborhood is where your church is at. Your neighbor, that's how, and here was a little bit different. So um, I had applied and I applied. I was just let me check. And I will never forget, I got a, a call from Dr. Burke and she says to me, uh, Teresa, do you, do you speak Spanish? And I said, uh, yes. No, she was like, do you understand Spanish? And I said, yes, I do. And she was like, all right. And I got the interview and, and then I got hired and here I am. And then I started out as a preschool teacher. And eventually we same St. Anthony was originally was supposed to be from pre-K, I believe to fourth or fifth grade. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, it was supposed to be a dual language and the dual language was starting from pre-K and every year will move up. So uh, myself and another teacher, Ms. Odalava, and I were the first pre-dual language teacher. And then um, the next year she moved into kindergarten. I stayed in pre-K because pre-K is my passion. It's always been my passion. And then um, I, it just, it's, it's such a unique teaching children um, their native language and also teaching them the other side of the language, which they have no clue, of, but you're there to help them. Even if the student didn't know their, uh, for example, they didn't know what they were talking about, but they, they would talk to me in Spanish. I under, I knew they knew that we what we were talking about as a teacher. So that became my passion. It became everything that I, I love. And then um, this year was actually my first, well, this is my second year as a director uh, full-time, but I mean, part-time, but this is this year is my full-time as a director at St. Anthony for the dual language program. And here I am. And just to, like, uh, that's uh, just amazing to see, like, you know, how you started in uh, Catholic education and you kind of like, uh, you pick Catholic education. I know Fern mentioned like Catholic uh, education. I didn't pick Catholic education. Catholic education picked me. And uh, in your case, you actually, you know, really wanted to teach uh, at a Catholic school and, and pursue that and has like found passion in teaching little ones, which is not everyone's passion. Like people, uh, uh, you know, some people that always say like, you know, people who work in pre-K are saints, like they, you know, serve, you know, the best. So uh, one, of, one of the things that I want to like uh, say for our listeners is that St. Anthony of Padua is part of the Catholic Partnership Schools, uh, and so it's a program that is sponsored uh, mainly by the Catholic Partnership Schools, and uh, it's also a feeder for St. Joseph Cathedral, Candem, uh, which, uh, you know, continues on with the dual language program from uh, kindergarten until uh, fourth grade at the moment, so this is where we are. I wanted to ask you, like, uh, specifically, um, you know, what is it like to teach pre-K kids. What is it that you guys love the most about, you know, that experience? And I know both of you now are on the director's role, but both of you were able to teach and experience that. So tell us about like, you know, what is it like to teach 
in a uh, Catholic uh, institution to our little like pre-K kids. Fern? Okay, um, I, um, I would say that uh, one of the things that Rosebud, when I give people tours, I always talk about the Catholic identity that we have here. <clears throat> and it's really woven in to um, the school day. So when I was in the elementary school setting, you know, we had morning prayer, we prayed before lunch, we had a prayer at the end of the day, it was more structured. Um, but here, um, everything is done in a way that the children can relate to. So like preschool children, and I think that one of the fun things about teaching preschool is how concrete they are. And that um, they're more, mostly in the moment. Now, mostly because conceptually they don't understand yesterday and tomorrow, but that kind of works in their favor because they're enamored of the moment and they live in the moment. And so because they do, we do too, you know, we follow them. And so when we pray, that's what they pray about every day. We also have um, a sister of the most blessed Trinity who comes here every day. She has a volunteer. Her name is sister Joan Lorraine. And she is like the spiritual Mecca of Rosebud. And um, so she leads um, the whole school in prayer every day. And um, it's an interactive bulletin board that all the children sit out. She picks a name out of the bag and they come up and they pray for something like our theme for September was helping hands. And so everybody colored a little set of hands. They're on the bulletin board. If you get picked, you come up and you talk about whose hands, how are your hands going to be helping hands today? And so they are very clear. My helping hands are help my mommy with my little brother. So it's all real life prayer that is helpful to them to think, to, to understand that God is really with them in these times with their helping hands. When we get to Advent and we start praying about what gifts will you bring to baby Jesus, they're bringing in uh, blankets and baby bottles and Legos, because that's their life experience and God meets them where they are. So um, well, that's the thing I love the most about preschool is it's like an improvisational kind of experience. It's not so scripted and that it is so um, in the moment. In the moment. Mm -hmm. Janet, what about you, uh, Mrs. Casanias? What's well, like it's, it's for me, I, I've always been kind of the buff person that if you teach anything to these kids, they will just, they take it in. I mean, I can be talking about anything and they'll just remember like months later. And I'm like, wow, that was amazing. But that was like three months ago. But then we'll hit in that conversation, whatever it was. And just to me, it's just, it, it, I think it has to be, you have to have either, you have to be natural or it just comes to you and the kids take that they take I believe in energy I believe in positive energy and I believe in all of that and if you have that energy and you're like hey guys we're gonna do this today or we're gonna do that they're like all right we're gonna do it but, but first we gotta do the schoolwork first we gotta do this and they are like hey okay we're gonna do it. we're gonna do it so for me it's teaching but in a fun way they don't know it, but it's so much fun for me anyway. I love it because, you know, there's constantly, I'm, I'm one of those type of teacher that is constantly singing to the kids. We're constantly making up a song, even though it doesn't have to do anything what we're doing, but it, it's all comes comes together. Right. It makes sense. Absolutely. 
But I think that that creates, uh, I mean, my sense is that that creates passion for the kids too, right? If you're doing it in a fun way, or if you're bringing the concept, uh, Fern, you mentioned about the concept of gifts for Jesus, right? On, on Christmas and, and conceptualizing it that at that age or a song, you know, the things that they've grown up with that, that creates the opportunity for, for teaching. Right. But also for the kids to connect in a way that's different than when they're going to get older. And some of it is here are the facts and figures on the board, figure out this math problem. Right. You know, and, and I, and I think that, that, kicks them off into liking school. I think what one of my questions was going to be, and we could, we could put it here in this is, you know, you have the sort of difficulty, I guess, for lack of a better term, that these kids are, this is the first time they're out of the home, right? And so we've got probably a lot of tears. We've got some, I want mom or I want dad, you know, so does, is that, how do you kind of sort of combat that? I mean, is it with these types of games, with these types of always keeping them in motion, you know, how do you help them sort of transition into this structure in school while also keeping it fun and, and open? I mean, Teresa, you know, you, you kind of already started on that, but is there, is there more, you know, to that about, about how you keep that part of it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, our morning routine, it's very, uh, it's very structured. So we parents drop off and we take the kids to the classroom and the teachers and the teachers, they will help them put their stuff together. But we have in the morning with, I think I know it and I don't think I know what makes the kids more comfortable is that we do morning prayers and we start off with music. Music, it's like, it's so ther- therapeutic. It's so, it makes you feel like, okay. And they hear the music and they're like, oh, they know. And now you can, you know, you walk around, you can see them. They're like, okay, we're in a relaxing, good place. And that's how we start our day. And then we started with prayer as a whole school. As even though we have only two classrooms, we start as a whole uh, together. And, um, and we do that. We, we sing songs in the morning and then, and then it's all about, and it, we start with specifically in the morning, it's all Spanish because in the beginning of the school year, we learn only Spanish, the pre-K, only learn Spanish. So everything is in Spanish for them. So they feel like it's the comfort zone. And, you know, it takes about two weeks for them to, to stop the, maybe one or two still kind of go, comes in going, and I'm like, always oh, like grab them and hug them and we're going to be okay. We're, we're big kids now. We, you know, we're going to, we're here to learn. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're here to learn. So that's right. how. Yeah. How about you for. Well, I mean, the, a lot of the things that we do here is based on a very developmental model. Like we have a young threes group and old threes group, young fours, old fours and TK. And so there's a lot of sections and it just seems like that's the main part of being three is separation. And so we look at individuation and yourself as a person as part of the educational experience. So the three-year-olds do cry a lot. Um, There's two main objectives in that three-year-old program is to get them in the building and to go to the bathroom. Those are the two things we do all morning long. There's either a line for the bathroom or somebody's crying for their mommies. but the routine, like what you said, was um, really true. The routine is like a Tupperware container. We put them in the structure of the, the day, and then it's predictable. They know what comes next. 
and they feel secure. Um, they feel secure, like you were saying, in speaking their native language, and here they're secure in the, the what comes next of their day. And so that helps a lot with separation. We also have parents drop the children off and then we walk them in and that also helps. I, I, yeah, I agree. That is like a big help. I mean, just that one, you know, we, we take them in and we take them back. I think that's the best solution. I That was the only solution I found like the best because of that mm-hmm. they know once mommy and daddy are gone, they're in a good place, in a safe environment, loving place. Yes. Yeah. We have a teacher who has something called the waving window because her classroom, we have seven classrooms. And so her classroom is on the first floor and it's on the parking lot side. So the kids go to the window and wave to their parents as they leave. And some of the parents are crying outside of the window. Like <laughs> It's hard for the parents too. Because is, some yeah. Of those. <laughs> yeah, this is everybody's first school experience. Yeah. So not just the kids, but the parents don't know. Three years ago, they were a couple with no children. And now they're at a school learning all the routines and the expectations and the separation that they're going to experience. So really, that's what I think is the hallmark of early education is that we service the whole family in a very different way. I think as you get into the upper grades and early childhood education and then middle school, you get more and more separated from your child but it all starts in preschool. And so if you can have a healthy experience um, of the routines and procedures of school, preschool, it's gonna prepare you as a parent also for the grades coming forward. So, because every different age has a different task that they're working on. Right. Right. I agree, I agree, yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah. and I guess that's good. It sounds like that's good going into, in terms of, Fern, as you just mentioned, you know, this is our goal for the threes, right? And this is our goal for the fours. And then, uh, you know, and I'm I'm interested to kind of for a second divert into the transitional kindergarten that you mentioned. You know, Mm -hmm. I think um, I'd love for you to speak a little bit on that and, and the importance of that, especially for ages as they go through the fours and, and deciding whether or not they should be in kindergarten. Right. You know, I, we, I have a child who is an August birthday, you know, I would, I'm an August birthday. I went into kindergarten at ter- just turning five and, and it worked out for me. Some could argue, maybe not so well. We'll, <laughs> we'll debate that at a different podcast, but you know, he, we made a decision for him to do sort of a, a tradition, you know, a transitional kindergarten sort of model. It wasn't school-based necessarily. It was sort of like just doing preschool again, but, you know, what, what do you see are the benefits there? Because I, for him, it's, it's done a tremendous amount. It wasn't for, you know, your parents say this is for athletics, holding the kid back right. you know, and all of this kind of stuff for their age group. But, you know, for him, it was maturity. It was grasping, the social aspect of things, some of the educational point. So, so for, for your schools in particular, you know, what does that look like for you? What are the benefits of doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, when we look at child development, we look at a couple of areas. We look at their gross about their physical development. Like you were speaking about sports. We look at their academic development, their cognitive development, but we also look at that social emotional piece. And we've been hearing a lot about social emotional learning right now, but 
that's what the whole ball of wax is between three and five. It's all social learning. So our transitional kindergarten is really designed for children who have turned five by September 30th and could have gone to kindergarten. Their age is appropriate. Their chronological age puts them in kindergarten, but there's one area that isn't quite ready. And so I really think about transitional kindergarten as a confidence building year. So if your fine motor isn't really there, you're having a hard time holding a pencil, maybe more practice will help. And so that's a reason to go to TK. Maybe you know all the answers I and mean, maybe you're even reading, but you can't raise your hand to ask a question. So yeah. maybe transitional kindergarten will help you with that. Um, maybe uh, you don't really have the motor planning to be like successful on the playground. So maybe transitional kindergarten will give you that gift of time year. And that's really what it is. So it's a child led program. In other words, the curriculum itself is a kindergarten curriculum. Um, we teach, there's a, the goal at the end of the year is that you would at least have mastered 30% of the sounds of the letters, that you would be able to write a simple sentence. It's the same goals as kindergarten, but it's more, we don't do standardized testing unless it's required for uh, like an intervention reason. Um, so it's more child led and it's more like I keep saying improvisational, where if there's an interest, we follow the child in that. So transitional kindergarten builds a lot of confidence so that when you leave, you have had enough time wherever you are. We kind of meet you wherever you are. And um, it's a small class size and there's two teachers. And um, but mostly the purpose of it's not to give your child. It's not for like smart four year olds. It's right. for five year olds who aren't just quite ready, because a lot of the times people will have a four year old and they'll say, you know, he's going to be five in November and he's really smart and he can read. And but that's really not the purpose of TK. It's really a time for you to be able to see yourself in your classroom um, that you would be with children with or six months of your age and that you could build confidence so that you can take the next step. Because, you know, I say to parents all the time, everybody's going to read, everybody's going to add, everybody's going to Harvard. But if you're not happy and you're not confident, then your, your experience is going to be very different than somebody who feels good about themselves and looks at themselves as a lifelong learner. And I think that's what we're trying to do. That's so it's very, it's very special. And I think, you know, uh, one of the, the good things about it is like, you know, you have uh, the opportunity to determine as a school and with the parents, if this is something that they would like to do, right. it's not like a mandatory thing that, you know, you need to stay, but, you know, it's a recommendation in the cases where you can see there's something lacking. I think it, the same way it goes for the pre-K programs in general that we have across the diocese, like in your case, Teresa, you have, uh, you don't have a transitional uh, kindergarten but, uh, you know, you would kind of like recommend for another year of pre-K four, if that's the case. Correct. Can yeah. you speak about that as yeah. well? So, um, so in the past, um, I'd had, uh, before we opened our second class, this is our second year with the twos and three-year-olds classroom, but this is, so in the past, I would get the three-year-old and I will keep, I had them for three years and um, I felt with them that I saw the difference in uh, from the beginning to the end to the finish to the graduated and moved to kindergarten. I saw a big difference in maturity 
and the way that it's uh the way they hold a pencil or hold their or colored it inside or whatever the situation is i saw a difference like this school year we had our biggest uh moving up graduates they went to kindergarten and most of them went to the other partnership but the majority went to st joe's but at this one particular kid um towards the end and and it's it's funny how you said like you know uh, Miss Love, like he said, like um, parents want them, the kids to read. They want them to this and do it. By the third year, honest to God, I had a few kids already. They learn how to read and do um, numbers and stuff like that without any, because they're already, I was one-on-one working with them. So when they get that one-on-one, they, I know they were going to be okay in kindergarten now. For the pet with the, the kids that I didn't have for three years, I would work a little bit more with them. But I also noticed, um, even if I told parents, like I was being honest, I was like, mm, she's not or he is not ready to go to kindergarten. The parents didn't want to hear it. They were like, no, but I really want them to go to kindergarten. I'm like, okay, you're the parent, you make the decision, but this is my professional opinion. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's their. Um, decision. But overall, pre-K, my pre-K students did learn, they had to learn both languages. They had to learn the Spanish, they had to learn English, and they had to learn everything in both 50-50 in both languages. And, you know, um, and I also had students in the past that were, their first language was not Spanish, it was English. So they had to learn Spanish. And um, last year I had this little girl uh, and she just, I remember I was speaking to her in Spanish and she was speaking to me in English. So she understood my conversation. And I was just, I, you know, I was like, wow, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Like she understood. And I, so I repeated myself again and she, she spoke to me back in English. She knew what it was. She knew what the conversation was. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I- Go ahead, I just wanted to ask, you know, this question for those listeners who may have, you know, children that are like preschool age and, you know, they're looking for options, you know, in, in different like pre-K programs, you know, who is a dual language program for? Like, you know, people may have misconceptions about like what, you know, this is only like for Hispanic speaking, like families and, you know, what, who's a dual language program for? Can you speak to that, Teresa? Yeah, dual language is for any children. Any children, we welcome all children in all kinds of faith too. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, if a kid, I had mother wants her kid to learn Spanish, and she was so she was like, I I need, I would love my child to learn a different language besides one one language is English. So I was like, yeah, we take. And for me, um, in the past couple of years, it's been an amazing because I have seen the progress. I've seen. Even if the littlest thing, even if they don't know the 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 sound, they will still say it. Um, they will say, for example, like an, an apple, una manzana. Well, what's the letter? And they will say la manzana. La manzana es con la letra M. And, if, and then they will say in English is with an A. And they know, they associate that. They understand and towards 
but overall they understand that there is another new language and they love it. And I can see it through them and I can see the parent, even the parents will come up to me and say, you know, they were talking to me, but I didn't understand it. Can you, can you find out what they were saying to me? And I'm like, sure. And I have done that. I have translated. I couldn't understand, but then I put two and two together and I would translate it to the parents. So the dual language is not only for uh, native language speakers, Spanish speaking is for everyone. Anyone is welcome to come to our school. That's that's great. That was actually going to be partially my my next question. So, Marianella, that was that was a great question because, you know, I I think that's so unique. I I will joke with Marianella from time to time. Uh, we I know very very little. <laughs> Spanish, you know, a couple of years of high school and, and retain some, but whenever her kids come in, I, I always try to just at least have a starting conversation in Spanish. Cause I know enough to, to start that. And they're always shocked by the fact that I'm speaking Spanish to them. And Mary and Ellie can, can attest to that. They're always, they actually, to your point, speak to me back in English to like, we don't need to do this. Let's just let's talk in the language, you know, and we'll be fine. But, you know, do you, you you mentioned the progress and I, that was sort of where my question was going to go. You know, you get a chance because your schools are somewhat interconnected in that in the partnership schools uh, that we're talking about to see some of the kids go from your preschool into a, you know, full dual language program at St. Joe's Pro Cathedral. But, do you, you know, also, do you see the benefits as the kids get older, that ability or that way of having to do it in both languages that helps them later with other topics, you know, or other lessons, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a challenge at, you know, three or four, but they're, you know, people say all the time, they're more like sponges, right. You know, um, so it's a little bit easier than say you or I trying to learn a new language, but, you know, have you, do you see that when they're getting into the middle school age, the, you know, that, that helped them as students, I would think so. Yes, absolutely. Well, I have my first pre-K students are now, I believe, in fifth grade. So it'll be interesting to know how they're doing. Well, they stopped, right, Mariolina? It's a, what is it? Third or fourth fourth grade. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how uh, they're doing now because they they don't continue any longer. But it will be interesting. But from my understanding, they um, when they leave out of here, they move to another school, they know I, I... they know how to hold a pencil. They know even how to write partial their name. As long as they can write something, their name, recognize their name, um, their uh, their phone number. Uh, Mariana is witness that she probably got a, phone, a couple of phone calls from her kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their address. Uh, you know, those are the important things I think that the children should should learn. And um, but I do see it. Yes, I do see it. Apart. I don't spend much time at St. Joe's. I would like to and to see how, you know, how they're doing. But I can tell you, though. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Marinella could tell you that. I mean, I just I think it's an amazing it's an amazing thing to I love the again, program for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was partially, you know, Marinella's want to go there is is that dual language program through that you know, great love. I just think what a, what a golden opportunity at a young age to get that, that type of skill. Even like you said, where the kids come home when they're talking to their parents, like I could just imagine my kids coming home and you know, speaking to me in Spanish, what they learned. And I'm like, let me check a book real quick, you know, or let me go on Google real fast to see what you said. Cause I hope it was, you know, but I think that's what, a, what an amazing skill that hopefully they continue. That's why I asked that, you know, that they continue, but also, 
when you come up against a, another challenge, math and history and science, whatever, you know, going back to that idea, to talking with the kids that, you know, you have the ability to do this. You were able to, you're able to speak two different languages, you know, and, it's, and you it's have amazing. been, yeah, it's an amazing I, thing. I mean, I, I, again, this is coming from a only English marginal Spanish speaker, you know, that, that it's, it's an amazing skill to have at such a young age and that, you know, I'm glad we celebrate that at your at your and school I, and that it's a part of the curriculum. I also want to bring out that um, in an early age and um, that uh, one of the things I like them to do is do presentations with the with the with like we just did one. It was about it's called uh, multiple. Uh, it's called Culture Bag Day. And what the kids did, the students did, they had to bring something of their culture. Uh, talk about we didn't talk that well but we the teachers and all of us we were helping we would bring up and just so they can understand that you know they can understand some part of we understand their culture mm. we want to embrace their culture for me that's very important so you know it and and they did a beautiful job I don't know they we put it on um class dojo and Facebook so it was it was beautiful the way they did it I just wanted to bring that up because I was like, no, that's great. No, it's true. I mean, that, that, and to be able to, to bring that as a part of it too is amazing. Mike, and we're highlighting here like curriculum and different things that, you know, both of uh, these amazing pre K programs have. And I would like to uh, talk to Fern, Fern about like what, like, besides, you know, having um, a, a transitional kindergarten program. Can you talk a little bit about your curriculum at, at Rosebud's Academy and what is it that you want your students to accomplish by the time they're done with your program? Okay. Um, also, I just want to say this, that it would be so interesting to do some kind of longitudinal study on those children. I know. Yeah. Um, because your brain is so plastic at, at, always, but at that age, um, it'd just be interesting to see what kind of learners they become. Yeah. I'm kind of like doing that with my own children as I'm seeing their progress. <laughs> They're part of the longitudinal study. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marinelle will publish a paper at the end. Yeah. I'm going to have to write it, I think. <laughs> you might have to. You might have to. That is just might be so your doctoral work. You'll be Dr. Nunez after that, Marinelle. That'll be, that'll be fantastic. <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> yeah. Just a beautiful opportunity to let kids bloom where they're planted. And yep. really grow. I just love, I really do love that. Um, so the, the structure of our program is more developmental in nature. And the curriculum that we use across the board um, for literacy is based in Wilson. Um, so we teach foundations. We have a kindergarten foundations for TK. And then we have a preschool version of that. And um, foundations is a program that really focuses on phonemic awareness so hearing the sounds is, um, you know, a very big part of it. And because there's a lot of speech issues in these early years between three and five, so we can catch those things as they come up. And um, so that's it's a very hev heavily literacy-based program. Um, so we use that. We have a religion program that is a five-day program that's based kind of like a weekly reader. It has a little newsletter with a story and a and a, a different like quality. It also follows the liturgical year. We use that in the classroom every day. Um, and uh, a lot of the, we and for math and for social studies and science, we use a, a map. And so essentially what that is, is we look for the 
key elements that kids are going to need to master for kindergarten. And we backward chain that, those standards um, and backward chain it so that we could see what the building blocks of those are. And then we write a map. And so the map shows you what to do in September through the school year and then how to scaffold that into the fours and then into kindergarten. So that's basically the curriculum that we've done. Um, you know, we just had a meeting um, last Monday and in service day and the preschools in my little district met um, five or six preschools. And we just really saw the difference in what people's programs were. And we're going to meet in the spring and try to share all of our resources because we're all trying to get kids to kindergarten. We're all on the same road, but such different resources and ability to get there. Um, but that's kind of typically the curriculum we do. And we also group the kids by their, their chronological age, but we break it into six months. So we have a young threes, we have a mid threes and an old threes. And then we have a young fours, a mid fours, and an old fours and TK. So the kids are, and it's a big difference between a three-year-old who turned three in September and one who turned three last August. Um, so it's very much paying attention to those developmental milestones too. The curriculum does that as well. That's amazing. And I, yeah, that is that is a great way to lay that out. And, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, both of you actually, and, and I think, you know, I wanted to circle back on this question of the, the religious component. One of the unique things that we have as not only as our, you know, South Jersey Catholic schools as the Diocese of Camden, but that, you know, for your schools in particular, teaching really young kids the concept of Catholicism, right? And and some of the things, and I, and I know, Fern, you touched on it a little bit earlier about prayer time and, and you both have mentioned you know starting the day with prayer which is important but what else do you do to sort of help them you know with this unique ability to have a religion course you know mm -hmm. in our curriculum to talk about our faith and, and sort of bring the the youngest of our you know kids to this you know to the to the faith to the ability to express themselves in that way so so what are a couple of just you know brief examples of of what you do as part of the religious curriculum um well i there are two things that we do here that um the former director kind of started and has grown as the school has grown and one of them is something called the sparkle box and it's based on a story called the sparkle box and the kids decorate a box and they um, place in the box all of their good deeds, all of the things that they think are going to um, something that they would want to open up on Christmas morning, the real gift. And, and then when we have our Christmas pageant, they bring their sparkle boxes to school and we have them on the altar. And it really gets us in touch with how our actions are meaningful. It's not just the words we use, it's our actions. So that's something we really love to do that to incorporate like a real life experience with our faith because we are a people of action. And um, I love the social justice piece of that. And um, the other thing we do is during Lent, they write their own prayers and they read them over the loudspeaker during Lent. Every day, somebody has a different turn to do that. And um, it just is another way that we can, um, you know, if we are the church, then we want to be active learners in the church. Yeah, absolutely. How about for how about for your school, Teresa? Uh, what we do is uh, we uh, we one of the things that I take very pride at, pride is that they learn the saint of the month. And mm -hmm. um, growing up for me, 
we had to learn the saint. So, uh, but it was a different time. I thought uh, doing a saint of the month would be a good idea. So they would know who the saint is. Um, and then like we do the prayers. Uh, and one of the other things that, that I, I love is, is during Christmas and Lent is that we teach the kids who's Jesus. We, we, we explain to them about, you know, Santa Claus and everything. They, they kind of, we, we, we still keep that magical, but we make, we emphasize more about Jesus, baby Jesus, why is baby Jesus is here and what we offer him. And then born during Lent, why did Jesus, I know it's hard. I mean, it's hard to explain that he died for us, right? It's really hard to explain for little guys. So what we do, we don't say the word. We just kind of say, you know, he did die. We do say he did die. We do get the, and, but they get upset. But then I'm like, but you know what? He's risen. And when we show them that he's risen, they're just completely, they understand. Then they understand. And then I get the phone, couple of phone calls saying, you know, my kid came home crying. I'm like, yes. And, and I let the parents know ahead of time. And sometimes I do forget, but they understand the concept of it. Yeah, we do a little Easter retreat right before Easter. And um, it's like stations and they go to different stations and they paint a rock and that's about the rock on the tomb. Um, we plant seeds and that's the seed from death. The, the seed looks dead, but we plant it and then it comes to new life. And right. like little things and each station has a little different kind of um, way. The parents come and they, so it's the children and the parents and we all do this Easter retreat together. And um it's probably one of the more meaningful things we do because like you said, um, we also raise butterflies during that time and we yes. release them for the Easter retreat because they look dead in their chrysalis. And um, so there are a lot of metaphors in nature that really in the spring are great things to use because it is hard to talk about death with a three-year-old yeah. because they are so concrete. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's, yeah. Definitely talking about like you know our Catholic identity. One of the things that we makes us unique in terms of being Catholic schools is that we do that and we're able to do that in their uh you know with their capacity for like the little ones, which is very important. Uh, and we continue to educate even our little ones uh integrally as a whole person, and that includes our faith as well. I want to ask you like uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, which is incredible. This went really fast, Mike. Uh, yeah, I told you. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we have uh, hopefully listeners here that may have uh, little kids at home that are preparing or thinking about pre-K, and I just want to get two things, two pieces of advice from each one of you. Uh, to those parents uh, or or to those grandparents who have uh, you know grandchildren about what is it that they need to do now if they have a two-year-old getting ready for pre-K? So start with Teresa. I'm going to start. Uh, well, get them ready to, to come into our school. Well, they have to be potty trained. That's a number one. They have to be potty trained. Um, and that's about it. The rest, we take care of it. That's the only thing. They have to be potty trained. The rest, we take care of it. And it's so far, it's been going smoothly. Right. And any piece of advice in terms of like emotionally that parents can do to get them ready as well? One of the things that I tell parents all the time is like, let them know they're going to school. Give them a heads up. Talk to them. 
just because they're little doesn't mean they don't understand. They do understand. Just say you're going to a school, you're going to be a, you're going to a big school, you're going to be a big kid. Just let them know they're going to school. They're not they're not being just drop off because if you're dropping off, right? You they're like I'll be scared somebody just drop me off anywhere. <laughs> just give them a heads up. Just let the kids know that they are going to a school and they're going to go to learn. They're going to go to have learn and they're going to learn fun things. Just give them a heads up. Great. Thank you. What about you, Fern? Your well, two pieces here. <laughs> I would definitely agree with the potty training. That is number one. Uh, and if they're not ready, give them the time they need to get ready. Um, because the thing that I would say to parents mostly to get them ready for school is give them as much independence in their lives as you can. So um, let them carry their own bag. Let them remember their own folder. Let them do things in the summer that make them independent because this is a big step away and you want to give them all the skills they need to feel confident in taking that step. Um, so I think that's really important. All right. I think that's great. Those are great. I that these this has been a wonderful conversation. I do I have to say before we because we're just about to wrap up, one of the most interesting things about seeing Rosebud Academy specifically that uh, it how you it, it is housed currently in the school that my uh, three of my cousins went through when it was St. Francis de Sales oh. in Barrington. So when I first came over to visit the school in my capacity here at the office, uh, it brought back a lot of <laughs> memories of picking them up and, and being a part of their their journey. So I'm so glad that the school is you know still existing in that community and and having such a wonderful program there that you have. But I you know I want to say on, on my side, thank you so much to both of you for coming on. This has been a enlightening and fun conversation about the preschool, which we know is the foundation for education for our kids and for our school. So it was great to hopefully we brought some inspiration to some folks and we'll have even more kids sign up for you know, preschool for moving forward for us and, and really continue to, to grow that. Uh, Mary Nella, any final words as we as we wrap up today? I just want to thank our two leaders here today for like their service to Catholic education and everything they've done and they're doing every day to uh, continue to have Catholic education available in uh, you know in, in New Jersey and especially in South Jersey Catholic schools. Thank you because we know uh, it is a sacrifice to be part of the Catholic education system. And uh, we know that God has been providing for years with the vocations and the right people to be in the right roles. And, uh, you know, we are really, really thankful every time we think of you and we pray for you so that you can continue to thrive in your roles and find uh, joy in everything you do. So uh, thank you for, for, for that service. Um, and I just want to say thank you to our listeners for, you know, keeping up with the conversation here at uh, Talking Catholic. And we hope you enjoy the conversation as well. We will see you at another episode of Talking Catholic moving forward. And remember to listen in all of our platforms. Uh, we make it really easy for you to listen. So don't miss an episode. Thank you for all you do.